Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. I love this reality. I was reading yesterday um, Hebrews 10, which I've probably taught a lot for the past like 12, 13 years. And, um, you know, actually, I just randomly opened up to it and it just lights me up, man. Um, the stuff that this is talking about in this Hebrews is probably in the top three books of like the highest, the most mystical books in the whole Bible, the stuff that it talks about. But it is also very much drawing the contrast that I'm kind of drawing today and that we do a lot between this religious works mode to attain versus this accepted relational connection with the responsibility to follow through. Um, and Hebrews really does a good job of, of contrasting these things. And, and I love it because it's all about confirming how truly accepted we are because of what Jesus has done. And I read something in there today that it's, it's, it's astounding, and I teach these things a lot, but it's astounding to me how many things are hidden in plain sight that are so controversial to the way the Bible is taught throughout the world. It's just like, how does any of the doc, these crazy things, how do they hold up so well when our whole Bible tells a different story about who God is? Yeah. It's incredible, but the machine is powerful. But anyhow, so it's like this. For the law, Hebrews 10, and I'll probably maybe cliff notes a little bit. I'll skip through it some. But for the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. And that word perfect, like whole, complete, finished, teleos, teleo. You know, it's like this, it's, it's, it's contrasting like, hey, these people that understand the tabernacle or the temple, the, the three different sections, you know, you come from the outer court, there's the, there's the, the, where you make the sacrifice, then there's the labor where you wash your hands and do the cleansing, and then, then you step into the, the holy place, into this tent that Moses designed by the word of the Lord, and it has angels and, and palm trees sewn into its fabric, this prophetic picture of what Christianity was supposed to be, man walking back into air quotes, Eden, the heavenly garden on the earth, the place of the go-between of heaven on the earth, stepping back into that place of communion. He would walk in there, there'd be the table of showbread, which represents the word of life and the manna of heaven, that we don't live by, every, uh, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It was all about communication and connection. There was the menorah, that, that Jewish candle that you guys see, those, you know, the seven the sevenfold spirit of God, as it says throughout you know, the book of Revelation or in Isaiah 11, the spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge of the fear of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord, these seven which were upon the Messiah. So you have the Holy Spirit enlightening, your, enlightening the room so that you could see the bread, so that you could eat it, you know, which was prophetic for us that we can see and, and go into the word as there's the light of the Holy Spirit. He illuminates this thing. Then the, the intercession, um, what was it, uh, incense, only hippies burn incense these days, but it's actually kind of pleasant. I ran by a house and I smelled it yesterday. I was like, man, somebody, one of them old hippies burning some incense in there, you know, but it's actually really ple pleasant. So, um, uh, you know, you're right. What a weird speaker. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, so that's there in the holy place. But then there's a curtain thicker than a phone book, you know, 
And behind that curtain was the Ark of the Covenant. They called the mercy seat, the place where God's presence would come once a year, only once a year on Yom Kippur, and only the high priest, through all the cleansing and sacrifices, could actually go into that sacred space and make atonement for the year for the people of God, you know, for, for the nation. And uh, it's beautiful. The Jews believed it was the only place since Eden that heaven and earth still touched because they cleansed it and they sanctified it and, and the sacrifices made it pure and holy enough for God to be there and for man to be there with him at the same time and make this atonement. But Hebrews 10 is literally talking about this place. You know, it's talking about this, this structure, this, this temple, this building that Solomon built after Moses' temple, you know, that this, this um, pr prophetic picture saying it was a shadow of things to come. It was, it was literally a type so that you guys would see what you're supposed to be walking into all the time. And we understand this in Matthew 27, 51, Jesus breathes his last breath, and that curtain from the top to the bottom in that holy place was ripped. In other words, God says, no more separation, it's a lie. I don't want it. It was never me. And so here's the war of the mind, the two mindsets of, of uh, that poison that's caused people to see God in a way that he is not. And Jesus, the embodiment of God, the fullness of deity in a human body. So he is God. He's the word of God, but he also was with God and is God, right, John 1? So here he is walking around, and the people that were in the most contrast to him were the people that were trying to uphold all the religious rules and regulations of that system because they said, this is God. This is what he's like. This is what he wants from us. Then Jesus walks around and it's like, you got me wrong. You got me all wrong. You know, it's a, diff it's a contrast. And it's just like, yeah, but we have the scriptures. We've seen all these things. Like, how could this, how could this not be of you? But there's something really interesting that I read in that, in that, um, in Hebrews 10, when I sat down yesterday just reading it, not even thinking for the message, just for myself, I just flipped it open. Um, that in verse 5, and we'll, we'll, maybe I should just read it through and just get to it, but it's talking about the shadow of the things to come in Hebrews 10. In verse 2, it says, For then, I'm sorry, if the year by year sacrifices would have made those who approach perfect, they would have ceased to exist. For then they would have not have. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. That's Hebrews 10, verse 1 and 2, saying like, hey, if that temple and that tabernacle, it was literally just a picture, a shadow of things to come. It wasn't actually what God's heart truly was. His heart was to actually remove the sin altogether to the point where you didn't even have consciousness of sins anymore. No more sin consciousness. See, man had become so sin conscious through the knowledge of good and evil, Right? that he needed a rule book to actually know what it was. It's sin conscious. So he literally walked around in his day, and some people still do now, thinking through a sin conscious mentality instead of a freedom mentality. Yeah. It's a completely different game. It's actually a completely and totally different religion. Both can be called Christianity, but it's not the, not the, not the, not the way it works. One is actually living trying not to do certain things. And one is actually living following a shepherd. Yeah. So when my spirit comes, you, he will lead you in all truth. You won't go around trying to contradict your nature, trying not to do sins. Yes. That's the sin conscious way of being blinded and just bumping your head at every turn of life. You know what I mean? But what God's done is actually to come and transform that which is of the heart. So that you don't need the 
rule book of the law, of the knowledge of good and evil in order to walk through life. It doesn't work this way. And that's what this is about. He's saying if, if, if those sacrifices really worked, you wouldn't even be conscious of sin anymore. And I remember reading this in 2009 and thinking, oh my goodness, we're not supposed to be walking around with the consciousness of sin. We're actually supposed to be so free in God that it's not what we're not doing, it's what we are doing. I've told the story, like, my grandfather was kind of a harsh dude. He was just, he passed out tracts at the Bible tracts, you know what I'm saying, Baptist guy since he was born probably. Um, but when we'd go to his house, he would say, when all the cousins and stuff would be able to play, like, hide and seek outside, he said, don't step on my flowers. Don't step on the flowers. And everybody knew, granddaddy will take his belt off and whip you if, if you're naughty. Or at least that was the rumor. It never happened to me. But that's what everybody knew. So when we go outside to play chase or tag or whatever, I was so nervous to run because I was just scared that I was going to accidentally step on a flower. And so I was like hyper vigilant, like looking around for like dandelion weeds in grass, <laughs> thinking that counted. You know what I mean? He's probably thinking about his flower beds. I was thinking it could be anywhere. And if he sees it, you're getting torn. But that's sin conscious. You can never fully run. You're never fully free to have fun because in the back of your mind, you're trying to avoid what will get you smacked. You feel me? And, and that is not a way to live. Yeah. You, you can never run freely. You can never play. You can never have joy because there's fear of the bipolar deity, right? The, the one who's good and evil and will smack you in the back of your head. So you never have that freedom to just unleash, yeah. to move forward. And you see the whole New Testament's written about this. Like Galatians 5 is like, this is not a license to sin. People think, well, if you preach the gospel, which like this, which is really just the gospel, people will just go on sinning and, and they think they have an excuse. It's like, no, 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 that's not how this works. It's relational connection and it's real and it's ontological. It, it will change you from the inside out. Your nature changes by seeing him. You're transformed into the same image from glory to glory, 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says. So it's like, here they're talking about not having sacrifices every year and like ending this whole thing, which was really just a prophetic picture because there's a war on the streets back then to say, no, this isn't, this isn't, ending this is god's heart the way it is and jesus comes and say that was never my heart right. and it's like yeah but we have the bible where god said these things like yeah we do but we also have the bible that says something very controversial and opposite of that very repeatedly throughout the whole gospel the four gospels and even in these books and we're going to do them today because i read this yesterday thinking oh man the sacrifices in the sacrifices there is a reminder of sin year by year don't step on the flowers for it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, this is interesting. This is really what I want to say. Hebrews 10.5. Therefore, when he came into the world, when the Messiah, when Jesus came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. It's like, wait a minute now. Now let's get into some controversy. And um, because sacrifices and offerings you did not desire. Here's something. We have these books, Levitical law, of all these sacrifices and all these offerings and all this payment and all this stuff that God desired. But now we have this more sure word of prophecy showing up, Jesus, the embodiment of Yahweh. 
And somehow Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, some think it's Paul, some, a lot of people don't. Some people think it's, you know, all kinds of different people. Some, you know, a certain woman or different men. It's, regardless, it's our scripture. Um, but as you got the writer of Hebrews coming and taking a liberty, interpreting Old Testament scriptures through the lens of Jesus Christ. And I love it, man, because that's our whole life. Right. And people interpret the Apostle Paul's writings through the Old Testament, and they use them to control people and condemn people when we should always be interpreting everything through the person of the Lord Jesus in those four Gospels. But here's, here's the writer of Hebrews, right, coming and literally saying, like, sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, you did not desire, but you've prepared a body for me. And it's just like, what? Here's the embodiment of God, and you're saying that he said this. Now, we all know this, and if you read your Bible, you see a little dot there that says, hey, this is Psalm 40, verse 6, and 7 and 8, and David is the one that wrote this thing. So this isn't even Jesus' words. And then you got Hebrews saying, like, no, this is Jesus' words. Right. He, this is his words when he came. This is, he was here before um, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. It's like, what? This, is, this man is quoting Jesus as saying something in the Old Testament and saying that Jesus came and say, Hey, the sacrifices, the offerings, that was never my play. That's never been my heart. It was my body. It was my ears. That's, that's really what the, the verse says in, in Psalm 40. Like you've given me an open ear to be able to come back into place of communication. The whole book was written about me. And I'm here to, I'm here to set things straight. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if I'm communicating that well, but it's like when I sat there on the couch and I, and I read that and I was like, wow, man, this is a liberty that somebody is taking, which is our Bible. That is undoing so much of the bipolar view. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, we're contrasting today. If you'll remember, we're contrasting these points of this poison that's caused people to see God in a way that he's not, that's caused people to be driven away from him into working to attain something that he's already freely given them. Like the, old, the prodigal's older brother, I've been working this whole time and I refuse to come into the party. <laughs> you know what I mean? For something that's, son, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. Yes. Double. Yes. <laughs> and the fruit of it ends up being condemnation. The fruit of it ends up being shame. And then you've got this mysterious writer inspired by the Holy Spirit you know what I mean? Writing the book of Hebrews and literally saying, hey, Jesus actually takes this. And it's so beautiful because it's actually quoting the Septuagint Greek, which is a better translation of Hebrew than people thought until like the 1940s or 50s once the Dead Sea Scrolls came out. So I, I read a lot of these old commentaries. They're like, why is he taking this out of context? Even the commentaries are like, he's taking this out of context, the way it's written in the Old Testament. And da, 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 da. It's like, no, he's, it's actually, we got it right, buddy. But anyhow... That's just me being a nerd. But it's like sacrifice and offering you didn't. It's like, wait a second. So could you be saying that you have a, you, we've had God backwards and the things that we think that he wants, he didn't want in the first place. And the rules, the regulations, the knowledge of good and evil, that was fully humankind's choice that they actually yeah. was instituted because of their decisions and separation from God. They wanted to be separate from them and do their things on their own way. And that's what Hebrews is actually talking about. And when you look back at even those translations, even those Hebrew words and sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you've given me an open or a dug out ear. That's what it literally means. 
you didn't you didn't delight or truly require the religious machines system that that we've believed that you've required you've given us an open dug out ear it's literally talking about like adam being formed of the dust of the earth and god creating his ears and creating him to actually be in fellowship and communication. You, we were designed to hear from you and to know you and to walk this way. Amen. And that's what Hebrews is talking about. Amen. And it can be kind of con- tough, to, tough to read and it can be kind of definitely controversial to a lot of belief, but it's literally right there in our Bible. And it says, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. In other words, this is a repeated thing. In verse 10, and every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. But this man with a capital M in verse 12, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. This is the empowerment of New Testament Christianity to walk this whole thing out in relationship to him. It is a beautiful contrast. Verse 14 says, for by one offering, he's perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And that's one of those most, like, that's like a, that's like one of these new age retreats some of these boys go on these days and stuff. It's, that sounds so yin-yang or something, you know. By one offering, he's perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You feel it's like, so which one is it? Are we, are we being sanctified or are we already perf- perfect forever? Like, what's the deal? And the answer is yes. Like on his end, he's, he is paid for complete and total redemption and perfection of all things concerning you. Like he's actually seen it all the way through. And here we are inside of time and space walking that reality out, growing in it. In other words, like, hey, he's perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But we're being currently, in other words, there is a process of believing this and renewing the mind and walking out this reality with the open ear in relationship to God, following through where he is leading you, following the shepherd and going where he's going. And the Christian walk truly is progressive and we do grow and we gain understanding and light and we and we walk in more maturity. And the right, you know, if you fall down seven times, you get up seven times. It's, there's no condemnation in the game. It's like all these things that are there for us, but, and it's just like separation is a lie, right? right? And condemnation is a lie. None of those are found in our life. And here in our side of the walk, it is actually backwards to where, to, to where our brains have always thought it was been, you know? And um, it's incredible to me. It's beautiful to me perfected forever. And it makes me think of several of the things we've talked about in the past several weeks and not even really intentionally on my part, but it's like, you know, Mark two, when the guy gets lowered through the, through the building, son, your sins are forgiven. Controversial. The Jews started getting angry about it. The leaders like, wait a second, this is, this is blasphemous. Like he can't do this. What's easier to say, get up and walk to a paralyzed guy or to say that your sins are forgiven, but since so that you will know that the God-man, the Son of Man, has, has the power to do this, I say to you, get up and walk. <gasps> and reverse happens. He stands up, takes his bed and walk. Everybody marvels, Mark 2, right? Yeah. It's this beautiful thing. We're over here thinking, repent of your dirty deeds and doing all these things. This dude is forgiven before he even repents. Yes, right. And to show that it's real, he says, go ahead and get up. Amen. We don't get up and move because we feel disqualified by God a lot of times. 
That's what condemnation does. It keeps people stagnant, you know what I mean? Keeps them from walking out their true identity because they believe that lie that they're something that they're not. But here he says, hey, you're already forgiven. Like, what are you talking about? Forgiven? I didn't even ask for forgiveness, but that's wonderful. Yeah, and by the way, get up and walk. Like, what? Gets up and does it. I think it was last week when we had the kids, we talked about uh, John 5. That's probably my favorite story. Well, it's up there, but it's like, you know, he goes up to a guy paralyzed on a mat by the pool of Bethesda waiting on an angel to stir the water. He, do you want to be made well? Well, I can't be made well because I don't have a man to do it for me. Get up and take up that mat and go on your way. He listens, he follows through, and it works. He didn't repent. We know from the story that he did some naughty things to cause his body to be in a very bad state to where he couldn't walk any longer. Right. We know what those things probably were, if you think about it. And, and, you know, it's just like it's one of those things. He didn't even get... He didn't repent for why he was there. He didn't own why he was there. Nothing. Jesus said, just go ahead and get up there and walk. So here he is, the same, the same reversal that Hebrews is talking about, this controversial thing like you're already forgiven. Jesus finds him later on in the temple in John 5 and says, hey, by the way, don't go back to the sin that got you into that way. In other words, I forgave you even knowing that stuff, even without you asking me to. The forgiveness is real, but you have the, you have the point of, uh, of reference here now and forever that you're forgiven by God, but repentance is you choosing to come into agreement with him and walk it out in the world. He listened to practical instructions, gets up, and he walks. Acts 9, Aeneas. You know, Peter sits down by Aeneas' bed. He said, you know, Aeneas has been, I think it was eight years in Acts 9. He'd been paralyzed. He tells him what? Get up and make up your bed. That's mean. You know what I mean? We think, oh, that's a taunting thing. You ever see a paralytic guy, you know, laid on the ground, say, hey, buddy, can you get up and go grab me a Coke from the machine around the corner? That'd be just taunting. You know what I'm saying? But it's not because it's the articulation of the Spirit of God and the Word of the Lord. He says, hey, get up and make your bed. Tells him to do something. And by his will attaching to that Word of the Lord, he gets up and he's empowered to do it. It's so weird, so backwards, but it's because the human mind has gone backwards since the poison of the knowledge of good and evil. And there's a renewal that's happening called the renewal of the mind. Paul said this, but we have the mind of Christ, he says, right? It's a mind change. It is a shift. It's, some people say it's like visual, visualization of like, what if it did happen, then I try to do it. But it's really, that's what faith really is. It's like choosing to believe, no, by his stripes, wholeness has come and it's mine. And I'm going to walk as if it's mine in faith, believing that it's mine. And then it manifested, you know, I read that the other day, man. I was thinking about that. Um, Luke 17. I'll close with this. Luke 17 is like, this is a real short one. 1711. It happened as when, when Jesus was, um, Going up to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a certain village. There met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. You know about leprosy. Their body parts were falling off. They were condemned. There's ten of them here because it's rare, but at the same time, they had to live in leper colonies, and they weren't allowed to even walk up near people because people were afraid it was going to be contagious. They had to cover their mouth when they talked and yell, Unclean! If they were going from point A to point B so that people knew where they were and they could clear out and just let them go through. Is frightening to them. And a very gross, ugly, bad sickness to have. The way it made you look and all those things. So, you know, ten people stood afar off, lifting up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. But I love what happens in verse 14. It says, when he sees them, he says, he shouted back to them, because they weren't close, because they were shouting, go show yourself to the priests. 
That was his, that was his, <laughs> that was his articulation. We know that Jesus touched a leper in the beginning of Mark that walked up to him, which is illegal. And it was a guy with advanced stage leprosy, the way, the way it's really worded there, which is really crazy. And he touched him, which is illegal and disgusting. And, and oh, no, you're going to get it. You know what I mean? He, he fully touched him and healed him. And I think that's beautiful. But this time, he doesn't do it the same way. He shouts across the way, go show yourself to the priest. Now, this sounds like a strange thing. It's not like Naaman the Syrian. Here's the word of the Lord, leprosy. Go dip seven times. Follow the instruction. Boom, the sevenfold baptism of the Spirit, that walk of Christianity, and it manifests in your life. All the stories are the same. See that? They're all the same. They're different, but they're all about the same thing and the same person and the same reversal. How's it not just, yeah. But anyhow, so he's like, yeah, it goes. But the rule was, if somebody got leprosy and it went away, which it didn't go away, but they had it in their law. They had to be separate from all the people because they were unclean. Couldn't go into any holy place or anything like that. But an unclean person, if you're around a dead body or women on certain times of the month, all these different things, they weren't allowed to go into certain areas until they were purified. Even if you're around a dead person, you know, you couldn't until you were purified because, uh, purified, sorry about that. <laughs> until you purified, um, Florida, man, it's, it's strong in you, in your roots. Um, but it's like, you couldn't go back, be, be around the congregation because you could contaminate it. Because this is the way God thinks, right? I'm not so sure because Jesus is touching lepers. So anyhow, um, they'd have to do these things. So he tells them to go as if they've just been purified, um, like they've been around a dead body and they've been cured or whatever, and they're lepers, um, which never, ever happened that they were ever cured. But he shouts to them, basically says, act like you're already fully healed, and just walk and go and do what you have to do. Go show yourself to the priest. Let them examine that you have no leprosy. And then they'll pronounce you free to come back into the congregation. You catch what I'm throwing? Yeah. It's just like, but they're not better. He just says, act like you're better. And go do this. Again, take up your bed and walk. I can't. Listen to me. Take up your bed and walk. So they do it. Same with the lepers. Like, hey, take up your bed. Uh, you know, go show yourself to the priest. That's all he says. And I love this in verse 14. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Yeah. Can you imagine this? These guys, these 10 of them living together. They're the only friends they had. They couldn't be around nobody else. And they're like, you know, Jethro. Like, he's like, Jethro doesn't have no nose. He's looking over, Jethro, what is it? Like, dude, your nose is back. My, my nose is back. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, snap. Oh, my fingers are back. You know, they're like walking. Oh, look at your, that big spot on your leg. As they're walking, they're just like, boom, boom, boom. They're being fixed and healed because they're following the instructions of the communication that was severed. So you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the veil was torn. Like there's communication is opened up. Yes. It is the Bible, but it is, it is the scriptures. It will come to pass after, afterward. I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. All the different ways that the prophets spoke that the Lord spoke to the prophets in the Old Testament, it's like, now it's for everybody. Isaiah 59. Come on. The Spirit, this is what you have, Isaiah, Isaiah 59, verse 14. This is going to be on your sons and daughters. My words won't depart from their mouth. It's not like you get, you get in the Spirit and you get these prophetic utterances and you write these beautiful poems, Isaiah, but for them in this new covenant, it's not going to be like that. They'll have this connection. Well, God doesn't speak today. Like, what? That's the most backwards thing I've ever heard. No one that reads the Bible can believe that, you know. Now, his word never contradicts the Bible, yes. But, but at the same time, it's like these people are listening to Jesus and doing something he actively says 
and it's happening. Yeah. I think that was the second point of this morning that I said I was going to talk about was like, there's a response on our end to move into all that he has for us. It's a walking out. It's hearing him, following him. It's seeing him, accepting the invitation. These dudes took a chance and actually obeyed instructions that made little to no sense, but he was already one step ahead of the game. He grant, the healing was granted, and he was already on the step of like actually going, getting yourselves back around people that love you. Yeah. you know. And so the 12, you know, the 70 disciples, and there was 12. So you would think that those 10, now there's going to be 22 that are real close to Jesus, right? But not the case. And Jesus knew this. So go show yourself. As, so as it was that they went, they were cleansed. That's the point, man. If you hear God talking to you and telling you what you can do or giving you instructions, even if they're not even very practical, but you're following him in your life, it will open up the ability and open up the wholeness that you're actually seeking yeah. to function yeah. who you are. The key is hearing God's voice over all things. Yeah. It is the most important thing we have. Right. Man doesn't live by bread alone. You feel it? You know what I'm saying? It's like every word that proceeds, it flows, it comes from the mouth of God. You know? It's like every time I read the Bible, no matter how I'm feeling, it's like, which is funny because I know myself because I hated the Bible when I was young. And it's just like now it's like it, it always makes me happy, makes me laugh and changes my perspective. Amen. We didn't have electricity till Friday night, nine o'clock, dude. Feel that? Yeah, that was that was a cold week. Anybody else like that? Yeah, a couple. Of, yeah, a couple. Of, yeah, a couple of troopers. Yeah, you know, but um, so, yeah, but yeah, break this thing out. It changes the game. Um, so, yep. So as they went, they were cleansed. It says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned and with a loud voice glorified God. You know what I mean? I think that's beautiful. And he fell down on his face. He, so he ran up on Jesus and gave thanks. And he wasn't even Jewish. He was Samaritan. Who they were racist. They, they called them half-breeds, half-people. You know, they didn't even believe they were like, you know what I mean? Ugh, as if, you know what I mean? They didn't like them. So Jesus answered, he said, hey, where's the other ten of you? Where's the other ten? Were there not ten? Where's the other nine? Were there not any found who, who, who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Amen. Yeah. Wow. In other words, yeah, I'm God, by the way. <laughs> you give glory to me. Yeah, you gave glory to God. You came about before Jesus said, that's, that's him. Him. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's important to see that. But the other ones were eager to run through the religious system to be, to be released. Do you think Jesus knew that nine of them wouldn't even say anything to him. Yeah, me too. But do you think his heart is so much like granted wholeness and love? Yeah. It's like, I don't care if you come back or not. I want, I want this for you. Yeah. That's a different game. I've heard a lot of, I've heard preachers teach this and like, oh, the pastor is the most underappreciated job. You only have one person that'll come back and thank you for your job. Anybody heard those type of messages? It's like, dude, if you're in this job for that, you're in the wrong field anyways, bro. You got it backwards. Which is the same with church, you know. If you're at a church just to have your knees met, then like probably in the wrong field. But another time, perhaps. You know, so there was no found to give glory to God except for the foreigner. But Jesus says, all right, arise and go your way. Your faith made you well. Amen. You took a chance and listened to my voice to walk it out, and it worked. Yes. And even though it worked, when you started, you still came back to me, and that's the source. I am the source, you know. And so, you know. I love it because that's right when he was asked by the Pharisees, when's the kingdom of God going to come? And he tells those guys who were wicked and poisoned and were trying to trap him in his words. In verse 20, the kingdom does not come with observation. 
nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God, the kingdom is within you. And I love this. Jesus is talking to Pharisees, talking to the people that are trying to, trying to get them. They haven't said the sinner's prayer nor baptized the right way to at least join my domination anyways, as if. But Jesus is over there talking about, I'm glad somebody appreciated that. But Jesus is talking about <laughs> the kingdom's there. It's in you already. You're trying to attack me and it's all, I'm already in. I've already done something irreversible. And it's up to you to actually recognize it and release it, come into agreement with it. In other words, the forgiveness of God, just like the paralytic, just like the, the other guy laying on his mat, it's like it's already been given. There's not something working to work for what you've already attained. It's just like, believe it, listen to me, and walk this thing out and watch it happen. That is the kingdom. Ten lepers getting cleansed is the kingdom of heaven. Even if ten of them were just so excited to get plugged back into the religious machine where they were comfortable, Jesus was okay with it because he loved them no matter what. And uh, one became a disciple because anyways, he ends up telling him, go give your way, go your own way, which I feel like is probably instructional for that man. He wanted him to go and his, this truth to be seen of what he'd been cleansed of. And I'm sure there was follow up there. We just don't have it in our Bible. Um, I don't think it was Simon. But anyways, I think it's beautiful. And so that's the message of the day. Um, the first thing is we've been poisoned to think of God in a way that he's not. And Hebrews is coming in saying, hey, like, when Jesus showed up, he said, by his life or even by his words, sacrifices and offerings, sin offerings, all this stuff, I didn't, that don't please me. I don't want nothing to do with that. Which was a con, like, what? We thought that's all you wanted from us. It's like, no, 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 that's what y'all chose. You've projected that on me through religion. But I've actually came and you've created a, an open ear. You've created connection. You've created somebody, some, like an eternal servant, the pierced ear. Like you've created somebody to walk this out, a body you've created for me to be the one that's the embodiment of who you truly are and to pay for everybody's sins and to manifest what God's heart truly is. And now we read everything through him. And that's the opposite of number one's point. It's that this religion is about relational connection to God. It's about living on every word that proceeds out of his mouth. It's about being directed of him in such a way that we make our life decisions based on his will and purpose for our life. And that's following through. You know what I mean? We look through the scriptures and we understand what it means to be a follower and a Christian. And we pursue that first above all things. And by seeking his kingdom first in the world and in the earth, all things that we need are added. The world is the matrix, y'all. It's not even real. You know what I mean? We're not here working to attain something. That's Maggie's farm. We are on Garden of Eden. It's a different game. It's a completely different game. Not going to work for Maggie's brother no more. You know what I mean? All those things. It's like we're not here slaving away at something because of our monstrous bipolar God. It's, It's a completely different game. It is Eden unleashed. And it is Eden over the world, which is the family business. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. This is the manna of heaven. It's relational. The whole thing always was. Yeah. And so we can see him and accept the invitation to imitate. That's funny. And listen to him and accept his words and actually let them be the triggers and the alignments of our heart and our life. And make kingdom priority. Make his voice and his direction priority above all things. And make it happen. Um, 
the question for the group, for the, for the, if, if you like to do these things. Um, and I feel like this is good because uh, Hebrews 10, even though I probably didn't teach it in the way that I've maybe wanted to here, but the question being, do you feel that pressure of perfectionism on you sometimes? Not to step on the flowers. Oh, you know, not to step on the flowers, to watch where you're going. <laughs> this is great. Um, you know, because that comes from a belief about God. Amen. It's seeing him in a way that he's not. But, but I'll ask, what is the way out of that? What is the way out of that? One, we understand the 2 Corinthians 3.18 is to see him as he truly is and understand his burden is light. It's not an excuse to sin. Read Galatians 5 or any of the Bible. It's that he's come to relate to you and connect to you in a way that transforms your heart. You step away from those desires that you would have used to use to self-medicate and find gratification and comfort in, you know? And so the real question about perfectionism, pressure, all these things that are being addressed there in Hebrews 10 is, is what has the Lord shown you? And what has he told you? When's the last time you encountered the Lord or heard the Lord's voice and you wrote this thing out or you heard this and you knew like, all right, this is direction for me. And have you followed through on making that reality? Yeah. You know, have you followed through? I think that's a good question for everybody. I'm not saying that in a condescending way. It's just like, that's the questions. And if you're new, that's the way we do a lot of our groups like those. So what has he shown you? What has he told you? Has it really become a part of you? Have you followed through in it? Because a lot of times the instructions don't match the will of our own hearts. And then when we follow through and we make the priorities that he's got for us, it opens the doors that we could not have opened in our own strength Amen. in life, in the progression that happens. Yeah. All right. Well, Lord, I thank you that your word is true and that you are very, very good. And that sacrifice and offerings and all this stuff, like you didn't offer that, like there was a body prepared for God and you came and took the whole thing upon us, upon yourself, and you broke that curse over the world and over all of us. And we can step into this place of relationship and of connection to you. I thank you for the ways as you, the good shepherd, are leading us all into truth by your spirit. And Lord, I ask that we would, we would see clearly the path that you have laid in front of each and every one of us. Amen. Mm -hmm.